changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul. And today's inspiration and advice comes from Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia. So this new collection of stories contains the emotional support and the practical tips that you need if you're navigating the world of elder care, especially when Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia are part of it. You'll feel less alone and more empowered in this new role after you read these stories. And today I want to talk about one of the difficult choices that families make, which is whether to move their loved ones into a group home, such as an assisted living apartment building, or into a memory care unit. We want to make sure that our listeners know this is a very viable option and not something to feel guilty about. So Mark Alderdice, for example, moved his wife, Mary, who had early onset Alzheimer's, to an assisted living memory care facility. Mary had been diagnosed at only age 59. And Mark had taken care of her at home for a couple of years while also working full-time. And he finally realized that it had gotten to the point where she would be better off in a professional caregiving facility. He felt guilty about it, though, and he wondered if there was any way he could bring her back home. But he knew that she was safe and happy where she was, and she loved the caregivers. And she wouldn't be happy seeing just one caregiver all day back at home and then just seeing him at night. And then it got to the point where Mary was uncommunicative. And after four years of that, when she only spoke a few words now and then, they developed an alternative nonverbal connection that worked for them. Touching, hugging, smiling, holding hands, humming, even dancing. And for a while, Mark even heard an I love you once in a while, but then those moments disappeared too. But then a couple of years ago, When they were walking the hallways of her residence during Mark's nightly visit, Mary was more energetic than usual. She was humming loudly, which was always a sure sign that she was feeling happy. Mark mentioned that he needed to leave soon and would come back the next day. And then Mary said the word home, followed by, I stay here. And remember, she hadn't been speaking at all. So this was unexpected, both in terms of its clarity and also being correct for the context. Mark was shocked and didn't know what to say at first, but then he responded, this is a nice place, isn't it? And his wife broke into a big smile and said, yes, I like it, I love it, followed by, thank you so much. Well, Mark was flabbergasted. He says, this type of clarity hadn't happened for a few years and hasn't happened since. It was phenomenal and exactly what I needed to hear, to know she was happy and to assuage any lingering guilt I felt for not being able to bring her home. A few days after that, she stated out of the blue, I'm home. What a great reassurance for Mark that he had done the right thing for his wife. He says, while my wife may seem oblivious to her circumstances at times, I believe she accepts her surroundings and is happy which is all that matters at this point. Little instances like these have a big impact and they keep me going. So Mark talked about moving his wife to a home with professional caregivers, one where she would be safe and happier. And in another story from the book, 
Barbara Davy tells us about the decision that she and her husband had to make about his mother after her husband died. Barbara's mother-in-law was unprepared to live alone after her husband died because she had been especially dependent on him. She was an immigrant who spoke excellent English but had never fully mastered written English. And she didn't drive, had never paid a bill, had never gone shopping alone. When her husband died, she immediately went to live with her son and Barbara. And Barbara knew that life as they knew it had ended. Barbara says, that summer was one of the most difficult periods of my life. Every weekend, my husband would travel to what had been his parents' home and continue the Herculean task of cleaning out a half century's worth of clutter. My in-laws grew up during the Great Depression and saved everything, furniture, clothing, envelopes, rubber bands, empty jars. Every drawer, closet, and corner within the four-story home was packed with stuff. Barbara's mother-in-law refused to enter her old home, so the whole task fell on her son. And while that was going on, Barbara was in charge of entertaining her mother-in-law at their home. Well, Barbara and her husband worked full-time, so what to do with the grieving widow? Barbara ended up taking her mother-in-law to work with her, but that couldn't go on forever, even though her colleagues were very accommodating and they even found tasks for her mother-in-law to do, things like stuffing envelopes. Barbara says this, After several months of this insanity, we knew that something had to change. My husband and I were exhausted. Our jobs were in jeopardy. Our marriage was suffering. And my mother-in-law was miserable. At that point, I started to rethink our decision about an assisted living arrangement for my mother-in-law, something that I had vowed I would never consider a mere six months earlier. Well, as luck would have it, there was a five-star senior community just three miles from the hospital where they both worked. It had a sterling reputation, spacious apartments, nursing on-site. And in addition, German immigrants had founded this retirement community nearly a century earlier, and that was the same heritage as Barbara's mother-in-law. Well, the facility turned out to be beautiful and filled with fun activities. When Barbara toured it, she found the residents were engaged in lots of different activities and they seemed to be socializing and enjoying themselves. The following week, Barbara and her husband took their mother to see it for herself. And to their amazement, she agreed to a two-week trial stay. Barbara says that two-week stay lasted 14 years and my mother-in-law became one of the all-time longest residents of the community. She also confided to me that she had never been happier. Looking back, I can now see clearly that no matter how hard my husband and I tried, it truly takes a village to care for the elderly during that final chapter. We were just two people, and we alone could never have created the camaraderie, fellowship, and support that are the hallmarks of such a caring community. I have to say that my family went through the same experience first moving my father to an assisted living, and then after a couple of years to a well-run, warm, and friendly memory care unit. And the people there love him and act as if it's a privilege to care for him. We could never have provided the right environment for him at home. And having read lots of Chicken Soup for the Soul stories from people who had made similar decisions, I did feel much better informed about our options. 
And that's why we made this new edition for you about navigating elder care and dementia. If you'd like more tips and advice from people who have been there, done that, visit our website, chickensoup.com, and check out this new book, which you can find wherever books are sold, including Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Amazon. And if you'd like to share your own story with our readers, click on Submit Your Story on our website. You'll see the topics we're working on, our writing guidelines, and a form that you fill in to submit your story for consideration. We're always working on half a dozen topics or more, and you might find one that fits a story that you've always wanted to tell. And come back for our next episode to hear six laugh out loud stories that will bring sunshine into your day from our new humor collection, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Read, Laugh, Repeat. Repeat.